Welcome to the Lodge Real Estate Home Truths Podcast. Join us as we speak the truth about home ownership, the housing market, and the place we call home, Hamilton. Come on in and make yourself comfortable. You've tuned into Lodge's Home Truths Podcast. Welcome. I'm your host today, Yvonne Bryant, residential real estate consultant at Lodge Real Estate, and I have Sue Hall with me also. Today, I welcome a guest that many around Hamilton will know well, Ross Hargood. Having been a council building inspector and manager at construction company Hawkins over his career, amongst other pursuits, Ross now focuses on his role as Waikato Regional Property Trust Chairman and is a driving force behind the upcoming Waikato Regional Theatre currently under construction. He's a real believer in the bright future of Hamilton and the Waikato region, so he has plenty of insights to share. As we chat, we'll look to uncover some home truths along the way that you may have not heard elsewhere. Great to have you here in the studio, Ross. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. Nice to see you, Ross. Thank you. First off, we have our regular feature, Two Truths and a Lie. I'll get you to share three statements, Ross, and at the end of the podcast, we'll uncover which is fact and which is fiction. Well, I gave this a bit of thought, actually, and I decided I'd tell you uh, three things about the theatre. The first one is that when the theatre design came out and they decided to put the loading dock down in uh, Sappermore Jones Place, which was the old Marlborough Street, Marlborough Place, I said to them that there was a building under the road that they needed to be aware of. And the building under the road had the roof taken off it, but it had been covered over by a road. So if having big trucks go down there, they needed to make sure that the road could take it. So that was the first thing I told them. The second was that the Queen, bless her heart, or God rest her soul probably, she stayed at the Hamilton Hotel when she came here in 1953. And uh, since 1953, the Queen's suite has been kept as it was when she stayed in it. And as part of the theatre project, we have to take stuff out of there and put it back. And so uh, the Queen had this, like, dressing table in there, some um, wardrobes and uh, a fireplace. And so we have to take those out and we've kept them in uh, temperature-controlled spaces. And then in about uh, 80 months' time, we'll put them back into the theatre. And uh, what I think is quite exciting is the, um, as we were demolishing the building, the old building we are demolishing. In Sappermore Jones Place again, there was uh, two large uh, wooden lids in the street. And what that was, we discovered, was where they used to put the beer down into the hotel. Going down inside there, we discovered that there was a crate there with 12 bottles in it, 12 of the court bottles. And so um, we decided that once we got those out, we'd try them to see if it was worth, and I'll tell you what, it was Waikato beer, and it were, I don't know how long they'd been there, but it was outstandingly good. That's an interesting um, few truths and maybe a lie in there, Ross. Maybe. We'll share the answers at the end of the podcast. Now, Ross, I note in my introduction that your current focus is on the exciting construction of the Waikato Regional Theatre. What got you involved and passionate about the project? I put my name forward as a trustee for the theatre, which I did, and I got selected as a trustee, which I was, I was really proud to be able to add value to a community project. Then I got asked to be chairman, and shortly before that, I had read an article in a magazine about um, as you get older and retire, you tend to just fall off the um, doing things. And so the article said that you should say yes to things that people offer you because you might not get offered again. And so I thought about that, and so they said, would you be chairman? I said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And they told me it's going to be three days a 
a month probably, four at the most. But that was a lie because it's about three or four days a week at the moment. But I got involved, and mainly because of my construction background, because we thought we were just going to build a theatre. But as it turned out, we had a lot more to do than just build a theatre. So I'm really lucky that there's five other trustees have got great knowledge around finance and legal and fundraising and general governance. So so how long do you think you'll be involved in the project for from the beginning to the end? We were given a five-year term. It started in 2018. And so if that happens, then we won't see the end of the project. But if they reappoint us in 2023, then we'll get to see the end of the project. And then at that point, we set up a company called the Waikato Regional Theatre Operating Company, and they will operate the theatre. And so the Waikato Regional Property Trust will just sit as an owner of the theatre and maintain the theatre while the other company does all the uh, shows and employs the people. What stage is the project currently at? If you've taken a drive down the street, you'll see that the front facade had to be kept as part of the resource consent. So it's a heritage facade. So we have um, had to prop that up. So there's some big steel bits holding it all up there because we took the building at the back, we took the whole back away. I'm going to rebuild it back to what it was. But the back bit was all unsafe and wasn't worth keeping. Um, So we've uh, got that front facade well secured. We've excavated, demolished all the building behind it. We're currently just about finished excavation on the site. We've done some ground stabilisation. We're pouring cement into the bore big holes down into the ground and mix cement with soil and then uh, let it set so it becomes a rigid barrier in there. We've got the crane base in, so there's a tower crane to go up, two tower cranes to go up, so the first tower crane base is in and we're um, waiting that crane will be here about November and then the other one will go in after Christmas down the far end by Sappenmore Jones Place. So one will be by Embassy Park and the other one will be down the other end. And we are currently getting ready to appoint a manager for the theatre because we need to appoint a manager about two years out because that's when the shows start coming on stream. You need to book them two years out. So we need a manager to be booking those shows and making sure that when we open there's actually someone to be in it. And the building's on schedule. The building's on schedule. <laughs> well, 2024 is a pretty good, we're fairly confident about that date given there's no more COVID or anything that comes along. You know, there are big risks around the timing, as you say, for supply of materials, big risk around labour, because, you know, we need to know we've got enough labour to do it. And, uh, you know, we just hope the financial crisis means that material suppliers and subcontractors and contractors all remain able to complete the job. Can Hamiltonians get involved in the project now? Yes, can they, Sue? Yes, well, I guess uh, you probably want to uh, avoid Ross. However, I'd say that I'd uh, urge you to meet him. Yes, I can. I spent five minutes with Ross and uh, the next thing, uh, we had a a sponsored seat in the theatre, which is pretty exciting and I think it's great that uh, Hamiltonians can get involved and have some ownership of the theatre. Yeah, that's right. And it's a part of the Share the Stage programme we have where uh, people can buy a seat and get their name put on the seat. That's a fun thing to do. You may not necessarily get to sit in it, but someone will sit in that seat and know that that you sponsored it, you bought that seat. So it's a great way to, to be, as you say, to be involved and, uh, you know, we'll make sure that those people, they get recognised and we'll make sure that, um, you know, one day you might get to sit in it, you figure out which number you are and then book it. The contribution's fantastic because mm. I think as a, as a city we need to be behind it. Yep. And we're really lucky that people have, uh, the people who've given us big sums of money, the Hamlet City Council, Trust Waikato, Lotteries and a few others, we're lucky that they have done that to give us a, a good solid base but we really rely on the you know, medium to small donors to help us, you know, it takes a lot of um, 
a lot of stones to fill the jar. So, yeah, the big stones fill it up, but the sand in between of those stones really is the bits that we need to make sure the jar's full when we finish the job. We've got enough money to pay the contractors. So encouraging people to be involved is really good. What else do you have on your plate at the moment? What keeps you busy? Well, the theatre keeps me really busy, but I have just resigned from two trusts. I was on the Cake Detective Trust. I was an inaugural trustee of the Cake Detective, and I was a trustee of the Life Education Trust. So I did that for five years. Amazing bunch of people who are on the Life Education Trust managed to get through COVID reasonably well and still keep teaching kids online and about life. So that, that was a really good trust to be on. And, and the Cake Detective is a great trust. It's a fantastic trust. Eh? Yeah, Tell is. us about that, Ross. I think it's fascinating. So the cake detective, Laura, she realised at some point that um, some kids don't get birthday cakes for their birthday. So she uh, decided there was a neighbour down the road who said she couldn't afford a cake for her kids. So Laura made the, a cake for her and then uh, realised that there's probably more out there than that, more than just that one kid. And uh, so it's proved. And so she makes and ices birthday cakes for um, children from zero age to 18. And uh, so in two and a bit years... She's made and given away 820 cakes. So people make donations to the Cake Detective and then she has people who nominate children for it. So there'll be Salvation Army, Orangatamariki, Parent Line, those sorts of organisations will nominate. So Laura doesn't have to make a decision about whether the kids are worthy or not. But if you think about a cake going to a, a kid, the kid gets the cake and that's really just for them and they think that's really great, but the whole family shares it and they share the enjoyment. So it's, it hopefully improves the wider family unit around getting a cake. And, and they look pretty cool. They look pretty cool. They are. They really are cool. So that's a really feel-good thing. I, I, I really enjoyed being a, a trustee of that because um, I used to tell her it was like, you know, getting close to the sun, you know, you feel really warm about doing those things, even if I wasn't doing anything really. But, you know, it was such a pleasure to be involved in that. And I do some little consulting work for the Hamilton Sea Council. Tops up the... Tops up your days. Tops up my days, yeah. I know in the 90s you were a council building inspector. You must have some interesting or scandalous stories from that time. No scandal. No, nothing happened that was scandalous. But I did have some really interesting uh, times. I used to look after the central city area before I became the chief building inspector here. So I remember one night getting called um, by the police to say that... Um, someone had uh, chained up the um, exit doors from the strip club in London Street. And uh, I was to go down there and tell these people that they had to unchain the exit doors. So I'd hop in my car, stroll off down there and go knock on the door and, you know, have to show my ID to the guy. So I'm Ross from the council, you need to open the door and I need to talk to you about that. So this guy's all covered in chain, gold chains around his neck and, you know, looks fairly mean. And uh, so I said to him, you have to, um, you can't have the exit doors chained up. And he said, well, it's, it's all those mongrels downstairs coming up from the bar downstairs. They're coming upstairs, up the back door, and the people are letting them in. So one guy comes in the front door, opens the exit doors, and all the others come streaming up the back door. I said, well, you just need to sort that out. You need to get a security guard or something. He said, well, you can bloody stand there all night and stop them doing it if you want. And I said, I'm not going to do that, but you have to get it open and hurry up. And he then starts chatting to me. And then he opens up this folder in front of me and starts flicking it over. Of course, there's pictures of women saying, you know, can we sort this out? <laughs> I, I said, we, we can if you take the chain off. <laughs> and I scarf it out of there. I thought that was a, um, a bit edgy. I visited the gang headquarters a couple of times in Norton Road. They're pretty compliant sort of guys. They didn't want any attention. And so when someone complained about something, we went down and saw them and they generally fixed it reasonably well. And you realise how naive you are 
about what happens around in these places. You know, I wandered near the first time. I said, why well, have you got a fishing net up from the fence up to the roof? And he looks at me and he shakes his head and says, you know, if anyone throws anything over the um, fence, it'll hit the net and just bounce up and down. So they were really trying to avoid Molotov cocktails coming over and hitting the house <laughs> or hitting the, uh, hitting the ground and setting fire to things, especially their motorbikes. So you realise what you don't know. Yes, definitely. What other projects have you worked on over your career that have made you proud? I looked at that question and thought there are a couple of projects and fortunately they're both in the same place. So two projects that I did when I was at Hawkins Construction were the um, Waitomo Caves Visitor Centre and it was a, a web that they built up. We built over the top of the the caves entrance, the um, ticketing office and the and it was, it was a really difficult project. It was one of those projects that you couldn't actually figure out how to do it until you were actually doing it. And uh, it took ages to do. It It looks fabulous. And uh, we won quite a few awards with that because it was such a um, difficult job and we executed it so well. And Maitomo down on that particular area has a little microclimate. So when it was sunny like it is here today, it was probably raining down there. And so we had more days rain than any other job we're on. So it really took its toll on people, that job, but it was fabulous. And the other was the Rurukuri Caves entrance down there. So we bought a hole down through the uh, ground to the cave floor, and then we bored sideways into the cave to provide a – and there's a big spiral staircase. I don't know if you've been there. It's a big spiral staircase that goes all the way down to the cave, and then you walk through into the caves. And so we um, we tried to figure out how we would do it. We had a big brainstorm. We said we're going to um, – what we'll do is we'll take all the soil away and then we'll build a column and then we'll put all the soil back. But then they said, well, you know, you're in a, you know, it's a dock reserve area above pristine caves. You can't be digging out stuff like that. So and we'll, so then we thought, oh, we'll um, bore a big hole down there. That proved unachievable because there's big rocks and all the soil. So what we did was we poured a big concrete beam around the top and then we, with some reinforcing poking out, and then we dug the hole down one and a half metres and then we bent the steel down, put some more steel around and sprayed concrete on it. And then we put a little digger in there and we dug it out another one and a half metres and we went down one and a half metre drops all the way down. Eventually got to the bottom. And when we got to the bottom, we then had to um, test all the air. The humidity in the caves had to remain exactly the same as it was before we started and while we were working. So when we pushed this big pipe through under the ground into the cave, we had to make sure we didn't change the temperature or the humidity. So wow. it was a... Massive project. It was, yes, yeah. So I was really proud of those. The guys did a great job on that. And lastly, what's one myth you'd like to bust or home truth you'd like our listeners to take away? Given your wide knowledge, it can be anything relevant to our listeners. I think over my career, one thing I've learned is that people like to be liked. And I think if you want to do business with people or you you want to um, get someone to come along with an idea or, or have some fun with a group of people, whether you, your work colleagues or whatever it might be, you have to be able to make sure that you find out enough about people that you're working with or you want to engage with. If you know something about them and you're able to um, engage with them at a personal level, I think you're more likely to do business with them and you're more more likely to be able to um, achieve a, a friendship or a, a result out of a, an issue that might be causing a problem. I know that we, we did lots of work with people who know us. If you know someone, they're more likely to do business with you than trying to cold, I mean, cold calling is okay. I'm, I don't particularly like cold calling, but I think it's about the personal relationships. And there's one thing I, I do know is that I did a postgraduate in dispute resolution at like a university law school. And 
I do know for a fact that dispute resolution does not work at home. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to second that one. (laughs) So is is that a fun fact? (laughs) That's a very fun fact. (laughs) Now, before we finish, let's go back to our our regular feature we shared earlier, Two Truths and a Lie. Ross, can you refresh our minds on your truths and a lie? Okay, so I'll just summarise them quite quickly. The, the Queen's suite, uh, humidity-controlled uh, place for them to be stored, Waikato beer in the um, old bar, the old storeroom under there, or a building under Sappamore Jones Place. Which one do you think it is? The lie. I think the lie is the Waikato beer. That would be my guess. Do you have a guess, Sue? I think the Queen's suite. You're right, the beer. There's nothing down there I think you said it tasted good And you might have had me there (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so there's a a men's toilet Under um, Marlborough Place Used to be, used to walk down and down Underneath the road To go to the men's toilet there And uh, the Queen's Suite stuff is protected And has to be put back And it's currently sitting in a temperature controlled warehouse With all the other timber bits The old staircase, everything else That's heritage protected that's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Why does all the Queen stuff have to stay? Where does it actually Where does it, what, what happens with it and stuff? The Queen suite, so the um, the dresser that was sitting there, so it's it's sort of like an angled dresser, mirror there, angled dresser uh, coming out with some drawers, and then either side are wardrobes where she must have hung a cloak and crown, I suppose, and all those sorts of things. So that's going back into the what we call the star dressing room, so the you know, if Elton John was to come here, he would get that dressing room and so he'd be able to sit at the Queen Suite, which would suit him. And in the fireplace, which was in there, there's not really a place for it in the in the theatre. Or So the older building in the front is going to be turned into cafes and restaurants along Victoria Street. And then the next level will be a gallery type of thing, so we can have music or art or whatever it might be there. And then between that building and the theatre, there's a small atrium so we could put some stuff in there, but we've got all the timber uh, arches that have to go back in, so they probably will go in the atrium. And the Queen's fireplace surround will probably go to the museum. So is that a historical places thing that so much what has to be kept and yep. not kept and where it gets allocated? And Yep. So even some of the um, – out the back of that building had um, steel windows that had a round top on them, so – a half round top, I should say. So those windows have been taken out and kept. They've been cleaned up and have to be put back. So we're putting back the steel windows, probably reglaze a couple of them. Some have got broken, but it was pretty vandalised, the building. And so we have to put back the steel windows. And as I said, the staircase was a fabulous old timber staircase. You just love the look of it when you see it in there. Built by craftsmen, obviously. That was pulled apart and all of it's numbered. And they'll, it'll get put back in there to go from the ground floor up to the next floor. On the site, we had a Urupa, and so the original building was designed that it went over the edge of the Urupa, and so we had to move the building across the site, so we narrowed down the atrium to make way for the Urupa, and in doing that, we also then made room for a walkway around the front, so uh, before the, you couldn't walk around the front of it, because you'd have to walk across the Urupa, and you, you, know, we, you can't do that, so we've now made space so you can walk from Embassy Park across round to Sadmore Jones Place, and eventually that will link up to the museum. So it'll be a nice outdoor flow, and there's going to be a cafe at that side down to the river, what we call the upper-level track, because there's already a lower level. See, the upper-level track will have a cafe from the theatre out onto the walkway. 
So when you're running, when you're doing your circuit around the uh, bridges each morning, Sue? Absolutely. It's so good for the city though, Ross, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, like we've been away from the, the river for so long and now everything's getting turned around. So I think hat off to you for yeah. what you've done with the theatre. Yeah, we're trying hard to get it, make it so it's, yeah, it's going to look good but and function well, but it's also able to be used in it and around it. So some people might not understand what an Utapa is. Could you explain that, Ross? It's a pre-European cemetery. We are not actually sure that it is an Urupa, um, but the local iwi have looked around and said this is the most probable place and their verbal history suggests that they may have buried people there. So that's been nominated on the district plan and so we have to follow that, and we have. We've had mana whenua down there looking at it. We've had uh, mana whenua representatives on site during the excavation because if we you know, dig up some bones or we come across a, some sort of pit, then we have to stop work in that area and they have to go and look at it and tell us if it's... If, you know, if we can continue working or whether they need to do a, um, a further excavation of it. And if we find something we call, we have an archaeologist as part of the team, and so the archaeologist, she has to come out and have a look as well. So it's quite a detailed, you know, it's not just a big digger in there, some <laughs> some will go on a big digger. Oh, it's know. very involved, eh? Yeah, it is. It's quite complex, really. Right. I think we're at the end for today. You've been a wonderful guest, Ross, and thanks very much for your time. And to our listeners, check out our other episodes for more Home Truths. Thank you, Yvonne. I enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us on the Lodge Real Estate Home Truths podcast. Learn more about today's topic and our panel guests by visiting our website, lodge.co.nz.